We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo. Tommy Vance checking in with our midweek show. We've got plenty to talk about, believe it or not, for a June. But hey, first up, what's up, Tommy? How you doing? Man, I'm hanging in there. I haven't eaten any food since uh, yesterday. I started a 72-hour juice fast, so yeah, I'm struggling, but we're powering through it. So I have to ask, why would you do that to yourself? 
because I'm fat and I need to lose weight. <laughs> and it's a good way to start because you can drop LBs real quick. And the faster you see results, the more motivated you become. So how many times before have you done a juice fast? Um, multiple times throughout the years. I was an athlete and played multiple sports, worked out constantly. So I did it a lot of times growing up. I even did a 30-day um, liquid fast, which was brutal um to say the least but i'm 40 years old 72 hours is just fine so wait it's just like a new thing like a new lifestyle that you're going after or, or just a restart or this you saying oh man i, I have to fix this now because or else i'll get too fat well i mean i have an eight month old son at 40 years old and he's gonna start walking soon um, I'm not that heavy. I weigh 235 right now, but I need to get back down to my quote-unquote fighting weight at 205. So 30 pounds to go shouldn't be a problem, but I'm going to have to be able to keep up with him, you know. Uh, so I guess the question for you then is, is can you make it through a whole like hour episode or are you going to, you know, lose it? I'll be fine. You'll be fine? <laughs> if, I get, okay. if I get irritated, I'll just go on Twitter and just gif everybody. <laughs> well, you've been doing enough gifting, making everybody mad. <laughs> That's what we do, yeah, baby. Firefighting in there today. Good Lord. Yeah. Twitter drama. Twitter drama. Yeah, sometimes it's better just to drop, you know, the napalm in the pool and let everybody do the dirty work for you. That was kind of my plan today, and it worked out. Well, yeah, yeah, you even got me to step in. I can't believe that. Of all the people who will step into a discussion there, if you want to call it a discussion, you got me to come in there. How the heck did that happen? I don't, I don't know, man. I didn't I twist know. your arm, that's for sure. You didn't, you didn't. That just annoyed me. It annoyed me. I can't say why. It just did. Maybe I need to go on juice fast. I need, I, oh my gosh, it did annoy me. Like Seriously, like of all the times to do stupid things like this, this is now a time you want to be irritating. Go on, go for it. Unbelievable. All right, so if you do want to check out the Twitter drama, it's not hard. Follow Tommy on, on Twitter and you'll get all of it. In the meantime, hey, we want you to know that our episode today is sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Book Hollow's team. We also remind you that we are available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. You'll also find our podcasts with Clutch Points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at ClutchPoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out. We have other shows in the network, including Tommy's show, Rammy, Un- Rammy, Rammy, what? Rams Uncensored. Maybe I was on the Juice Fast there. Butting Heads, and soon Norm Hightower's show, which will, will focus on breaking down film. Did I really just say Rammy Uncensored? Is that where I was going? Yeah, tongue-tied dog catcher. Yeah, I, I think I might need a drink. I think I might You've been hanging out with Matt. You've been hanging out with Matt. I have a question for you, man. Let me hear. Can you do you ever do the imitation Derek voice that I've been hearing so much about? Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's more of a crack on him, supposedly, right? Yes, it oh, is. That's what you tell me. Yeah, no, it's a crack on Matt. We just pretend we're the boss and we just make up a fake voice and mess with him all the time. Oh my gosh! All right. So, also to finish things up, there we have a new contest under White for Apple Music. 
Once you hit 205 star reviews, one lucky winner will get a $75 gift to NFLshop.com. This is how it works. Head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and send us an email at ramstop1945 at gmail.com with a, with a copy of your entry so we know who to reward. We'll also read your feedback on the show. Hopefully the feedback isn't F you go die in a fire because that would kind of suck to say on the show. All right. So first things first, Rams Fest. Ram Fest is this weekend out there. Where's it at now? It's in Ontario, California. Uh, they moved it up a month. I believe they used to have it towards the end of July. I went two years ago for the first time, and I'm not a fan of the heat at all. So I was dying out there. Multiple people um, were fainting. They had, you know, the paramedics out there helping everyone because people were drinking a lot of alcohol and not drinking water which is pretty stupid, and they were passing out left and right. I drank water the whole time, and I like to drink beer, but I drank water the whole time just to survive, and I said I would never I would never go back just because of the heat, and I didn't go last year. We decided to throw a pool party at my house, and whoever didn't want to go out in the heat came over and partied with us, so that was fun, but they did move it up this year to the end of June. Uh, the forecast for this Saturday is a beautiful 80 degrees, so that is much better than 95. I could tolerate that, so I'm going to bring the baby out and the wife, and we're going to go barbecue some food and hang out with everybody. That was our last year, too, and if I remember correctly, I want to say the temperature was about 110. It's oh. not like a crowd. Nobody was passing out last year, though. People did leave early. People did leave early. It was a great experience, though, getting to hang out with a bunch of Rams people. Can't make it this year. Our boy Johnny will be out there. You'll be out there. I think Pink's going to be out there, too, right? Yes, she'll be out there. Ruff will be out there, her husband. And uh, a whole bunch of us will be there. I mean, just on Facebook alone, um, 900, over 900 people have, uh, you know, reserved to go there. But usually there's way more than that. So it's going to be packed. Ralph usually has a bunch of people lined up for Rams. I think, I, I believe correctly, or I think Rosie's lined up this year. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, he couldn't make it last year. Eight, do you have an idea of who the players were this year? I have no these, idea. Yeah, they're not no making idea. as big a deal with this year. But it's a great, great chance to be fellow Rams fans out in the area. I had a lot of fun last year doing it uh, when I wasn't sweating my bleep bleep off. And by the way, lots of good food. Lots of good food. Oh, yeah, everybody's, everybody's like, basically, you know, as far as the food is concerned, Ramfest is like, you know, uh, I, what would you call it, OTAs for training, you know, for tailgating? <laughs> I guess that's going, what right? I would call it, yeah. It's just a warm-up, you know, and then preseason, getting ready, um, trying out new foods, trying out new things. Yeah, it's just a practice run for tailgating, man. It's a lot of fun and a lot of good food. But you know it's also really nice? You could be a visitor like I was. And just walk over to any tent and anybody will offer you food, man. Here, have a beer. Have, you know, ha- have, what was it? Oh, jeez, hamburgers. You guys had, off the top of my head, what was there last, what was it called last year you guys had there? I don't know. I wasn't there last I wasn't year. I'm trying to think of all the different food there was. But There I probably was a lot of tri-tip. There. Tri-tips of California. Yeah. Uh, yeah. California. A lot of people barbecue. That's fantastic. So, and... Ralph was also really great in taking care of us last year as well. So go check it out if you can. If not, you have something coming up as well in July. What's that going to be? Well, um, like I said last year, I threw a, a pool party at my house for anybody that wanted to avoid the heat at Ramfest. Um, 
and we had a lot of people out this year we're going to do a little something different we're going to have a rams twitter pool party um everybody that's local and and people that are not local are welcome to come um i believe uh one of the gents on twitter michael um norton he's from uh boston massachusetts and he's a rams fan he said he was gonna fly out to the pool party so that's pretty awesome i said if you're gonna fly out you're more than welcome to join us um but it's gonna be fun where i'm planning some big things I'm going to DJ the event in the evening. We'll just play music all day long, but we're also going to have a, a original Nintendo um, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out tournament, and we're going to give out prizes to the winners. And we're also possibly in the works have a bounce house boxing ring with giant boxing gloves. So anybody on Twitter that beefs all day long and talks trash behind their <laughs> keyboard, if you want to man up and get in the ring, you can do so. Also, I believe we're also going to have cards out to give away for people who are looking to get involved in our podcast and listen in and so on and so forth. And getting t-shirts made. That's the plan right now, right? That is the plan. We're working on that as we speak. If, by the way, you do want to get a t-shirt, I don't know what the price is going to be. Follow Tommy on Twitter. Because he's going to post the sooner or later. And you'll be able to see if you want to buy one. We need to know because we need to know how many order. So yeah, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna put the prototypes out probably tomorrow on Twitter to gauge interest, um, and then we'll go from there. All right. So there's all the layout stuff, the stuff that's coming right before training camp, the day of training camp. It's getting closer and closer, folks. It's sneaking up on us. It's a slow process, but eventually training camp will be here. In the meantime, go hang out with your friends. Go have your ramily, and in the process, get to know each other a little better and get ready for football. Okay, moving on. I have a beef, Tommy. I have a really big beef. I'm getting annoyed. And I saw on Twitter you were getting annoyed too. And it's all about Todd Gurley, his knee. I, 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 let me vent for a minute, okay? How on earth Go for it. are we almost to training camp? We are five months, well, four and a half months past the Super Bowl. And we are still talking about Todd Gurley's knee. And we're still questioning whether or not he has arthritis or what, what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that, what's wrong with this. Why are we still doing this? It is driving me up on – it's a pet peeve maybe. I don't know. Why are we still talking about the dude's knee? The reason everyone's still talking about it is because no one's talking about it, right? And what I mean by that is the organization and Todd Gurley. And the fact of the matter is, they don't have to, right? Because he technically doesn't have an injury. If you have arthritis, you do not have to report that on the injury report. So why talk about it? Why tell the world that you have arthritis in your knee? Hey, guys, by the way, I have arthritis. My career might get shortened. It might not. But let's let's just divulge that information to the rest of the league. Why would anybody in their right mind do that? Todd Gurley doesn't owe us any explanation nor does the team so that's why i started the hashtag we not me because i don't care i don't want to hear it you we all forget that these guys are human beings and we got to respect their privacy so if he doesn't want to talk about his knee having arthritis he doesn't have to okay so let it go here's the thing with me too i think the rams already told us enough and they told us enough on draft day when they took a third round pick and gave it to daryl henderson running back that's all you need to know that's the game plan it's going to go either two ways either a you're planning on eventually pass the torch to henderson 
or B, you're supplementing supplementing Gurley to keep him on the field longer. Either way, you have a plan to deal with the situation. That's all any of us really need to know. You have to be a, a knucklehead, a moron to think this guy didn't have arthritis coming out of school. Anybody who's ever had a major injury has the ramifications from it. That's just fact. It's a Go fact. For- I, I, I shattered my hand in 2003, my left hand, in 13 places. And I'm 40 years old now. And my hand hurts every day. I have arthritis in my hand because of it. So it will accelerate arthritis, you know, those types of injuries, any type of injury for that matter. So I know what it feels like. I mean, I broke my hand punching my brother in the head when we were kids. <laughs> it still hurts, man. I'll wake up and I have that ghost pain right where it broke. I, in the military, had several different injuries, knees and, and ankles, lots of sprains. Anytime you sprain an ankle, what do you think you're actually doing? You're tearing stuff, okay? It's And it's never going to be the same. So let's get off the idea that Gurley is like this holy figure and it's all about the knee and so on and so forth. The Rams are playing around this. They're figuring it out. If they didn't have a plan, C.J. Anderson's still a Ram. Yeah, I mean, just... It's just ridiculous. Just let it go. Don't worry about it unless it needs to be worried about, right? But the season hasn't started yet. When he gets on the field during the regular season and gets going, we'll see. And we drafted a running back that's perfectly capable of taking some of that load off because we don't want to have Gurley in the same situation like guys like LaDainian Tomlinson back in the day. The Chargers would run him into the ground all year and get to the playoffs, and he'd be on the bench. Every single time, you know, and they couldn't get to the Super Bowl because their best player was on the bench because he was wore out and he was hurt. So we got to try to avoid that, right? Yeah, and don't also don't forget that there are a couple other guys sitting there too. Malcolm Brown, who I still believe can be a starter in this league on many other teams. If you hadn't, yeah, we have we have four running backs that can play, right? We have four. Yeah, man, I'm not worried about it at all. We have so much depth on this team, especially at that position. We're good, man. I mean, if people really want to worry, honestly, let's look at the interior line. Let's look at the defensive line. Let's look at middle linebacker. Okay, now go worry. Go. Yeah, and and I'm not that kind of fan either. I'm not a worrier. You know, I'll worry when I start seeing those positions have issues on the field during the regular season. If they're getting blown up, you know, and the middle linebacker, whoever fills in that position, has issues, then I'll worry. But I'm not going to worry in June, man. It's just ridiculous. Well, there's no point in worrying in June, but I'm saying if you are going to worry, go go somewhere else. Because I think the Rams are pretty deep at running back. Matter of fact, it's probably the position they're most deep at in the entire roster. That and wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. They know. probably could be a little deeper. I know, I know Mike, Michael Stewart, wanted the Rams to draft in their wide receiver. He was a little bit no. I mean, yeah, hey, I'm just saying, and he was—he made a pretty good argument for it. But yeah, I mean, you can you can argue all day long about you know any position because that gets you into the realm of best player available, right? You know, but we don't really need it. We have plenty of great wide receivers on the team. So, also, meanwhile, in other quote unquote news, this hit on Twitter as well. Brian Allen and Jared Goff centered a quarterback. They're bonding over Fortnite. Tommy, do you know what Fortnite is? 
Man, I just see those annoying dances all over TV and kids doing it all the time. My, this little boy, uh, he's 10 years old, that my mother-in-law babysits. He's always doing those weird dances. And I'm like, dude, go outside and play, man. Give me a yeah. break. Do you know, I'll estimate now, I think about two-thirds of my students in the last two years have, been, have played Fortnite or are still playing Fortnite. And they've even asked me to play with them. I'm like, dude. I'm your teacher. I'm not going on Fortnite to play with you. Come on. No, no. It's an addiction. And yet here we have two two teammates, early mid-20s, bonding over Fortnite. Here's my question for you. Can teammates bond over video games and take it to the field? Sure. You can bond over anything. Anything that any two people have in common and bring you together, uh, it helps you become better friends. It's fine. I don't care they play Fortnite or Super Mario for all I care it doesn't make a difference as long as they're making a connection did you play any video games growing up I played original uh, NES uh, Sega Genesis I stopped playing video games around PlayStation 3 John Madden 2010 or 11 was the last time I played and I just walked away I actually bought an original NES again two years ago and started accumulating games and brought me back to my childhood but I wasn't really a big video game guy my little brother was you couldn't get him out of the house I, and you couldn't keep me inside the house we were two and a half years apart and we were polar opposites it was pretty funny I'm 40 years old and I still game even today I can't tell you why I enjoy it it's uh, I play MLB the show recently I have Madden I've got NBA 2K I've got all those games, uh, I enjoy killing things in Fallout and, and going back to Skyrim. I, I can see why these guys are game. It's fun. It's relaxing. It's a way to spend time together. I just, I get a kick out of it. These, these, these kids are, these guys are me. But when I was in the 20s, I would spend hours playing the game. And it's a little weird now hearing, hey, in summer break, you know, as you get ready for your NFL season, what are you doing? I'm playing Fortnite <laughs> with my center. Since we're since we're on the subject of Fortnite, explain to me exactly what it is, because I've never really even cared enough to ask anybody, but since we're talking about it, give it to me. You know, if I'm completely honest, I don't have much of a clue, because I stopped playing any of those online games years ago when I got hooked on World of Warcraft. I, I swore them off, because in the end, what happens is, is you wind up giving your life away to it. But as far as I understand, it's a basically an online video game. You can play, uh, I believe, three distinct modes, and you're able to go out there and fight with each, fight against each other, kill each other. You build skills. You build, um, what you call it PvP combat. So, if you folks, if you're a listener and you want to help educate us on Fortnite and tell us what you love about it, please hatch us, uh, get us on Twitter. Did I say hatch us? Get us on Twitter at TalkRams or bug us individually and let us know because that's as far as I'm willing to go with Fortnite. I'm serious. Yeah, I ask the kids all the time, you know, to explain it to me. And they're so dopey and antisocial, they can't spit it out. And I get frustrated. And I'm like, never mind. Go away. <laughs> it's, it's insane. They're like, well, it's, you know, and like, and I'm like, just shut up. I'm done. Seriously, I got I have students who will play Fortnite till two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. Come to school and expect to actually, you know, get good grades. Instead, they're sleeping in class. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah. I would never stay up till two in the morning playing video games. But the, to each their own, you know. 
to each their own. Okay, so folks, most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history, a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawks, Hollywood's Team Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Rebound players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elway, Cresley's Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spend the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks book online at hollowesteam.com and on Twitter at hollowesteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic format at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Oh, and the paperback is out this September 6th. Folks, I've read the book cover to cover. More than a few of our staff has actually read it. The proceeds go to a great cause, Homeboy Industries, which helps bring people out of the gang life and making them productive members of society. So check it out. It's a cheap, it's, it's, well, cheap is not the word for it. It's a great read. It's affordable. There you go. Hollywood scene, grit, glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Out of curiosity, have you read it yet? No. Oh, we ain't read it I yet. can't, I can't remember the last time I read a book, dude. Really? I'm serious. We gotta get you off my podcast, man. Get the crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a reader. I never have been. Sorry, but I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, some people are. Some people are, and some you know. It's not I'm, for me. Like, okay, I'll give you an example. So, growing up in school, you know, you you have to read a book for an essay or whatever, and I would start reading it myself, and I would just squirrel. I could not get myself to dive into the story mentally or emotionally. I would always, I think it was for for me too, I was so into music that I didn't care. Like, all I wanted to do was play my instruments 24 hours a day, you know? So when it came to, like, reading or whatever, I was just not into it. And then, but then when the teacher would read the books to you, you know, they would read the story in class. Man, I was glued to that. I would absorb every word and listen because I like storytellers. But for me to personally dive into the book, my mind would just wander and I'm like, tapping on the the desk you know playing my drums or whatever i just i wasn't into it so what you're saying is you're an auditory learner you learn by listening yeah i just yeah I, it wasn't for me i mean it's not everybody's into that a lot of people are into music the things you hear some people mm-hmm. like me i'm the professor i'm the nerd i'm the guy who likes to read books and play video games and do other weird things so i get it i get it but let's go one place now where we can kind of use our brains in in one place memories Memories. In your memory, Tommy, what are the craziest games in Rams history? Oh, man. Where do I start? Um, NFC Championship 1999 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the Rams are scoring 30-plus points a game. They get in there up against uh, probably the best defense in the NFL at that time and just get completely stonewalled the whole game and don't really know what to do with themselves. And then uh, Kurt Warner just chucks one up to Ricky Prohl in the corner of the end zone, and and there we there we go. That was unreal. Like you just didn't think that was going to happen. It was it was nuts. What else? Um, I'm gonna also I'll throw this in for uh, uh, Laker Ram Man. He uh, he talked about this one. I believe it was the divisional round double. Was it a double overtime against Carolina? Yep. In St. Louis, when they yep. Steve Smith uh, caught that pass over the middle and smoked the out of place Jason Seahorn and ended the game. That was a heartbreaker, man. 
that was. Oh I was. God. We were both. We're the same age, so we were both in our early twenties. And I remember just. And back then, I was just full of piss and vinegar, and I just lost it. <laughs> well, I, I'm not I like these kids nowadays breaking all their TVs in their house, but I was no, pretty no. pissed. I, you know, I didn't expect the Rams to make a Super Bowl year. I thought they were a really good team, but not a Super Bowl team. I thought they could well, probably at least the NFC Championship game. And watching that go down, I just, I remember, I just stared at the TV for like 10 minutes, just stared at it, and could not believe what I just saw. Could not believe what I just saw. Yeah, another one was, I think the last time uh, the Rams were in the playoffs, they won, it was 4 you know, before we made the playoffs the last couple of years, you know, 04. Um, they beat the Seahawks, right, in overtime? And that was, they oh, beat the them three times. Yeah, they beat them three times that year, I believe. And then they go head to Atlanta against Michael Vick. And I honestly didn't even want to watch the game because I knew they were going to get smashed. And they did. It was rough. It's sad. It's sad knowing when you're going into a game that you probably, even even though you love your team and you're going to watch it, you know you're going to get beat. And that's just hard to swallow sometimes. Yeah, it is. It's hard to swallow when when you think... Maybe there's a chance. It's like dumb and dumber. So you say there's a chance? <laughs> there was really no chance for that game. For me, the obvious one, the, the low-hanging fruit that we'll always go back to is the Rams and Chiefs in 2018. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's probably one of the craziest games in NFL history. Yeah, I, it was. I was there. You know, hundred and what was it, 105 points? I yeah. mean, dude, it was unreal. It was so exciting. I had two buddies that were with me that are I grew up with that are Chief fans, and they were sitting in front of me. And every time, even when the opposing team that we were rooting for scored, like we were all going nuts and high fiving each other because it was so exciting. We just we kind of didn't know what to do with ourselves. It was like just a big party, and we were so excited too because the game was supposed to be played in Mexico, and at the last minute they make a U turn and. We're freaking out, scrambling, waiting for them to call us like, hey, uh, your tickets are available. And it was just, it was chaos, you know, for the whole week. And then uh, getting over there and, and, you know, the last minute and um, just watching everything that went down. And not only that, but before the game, uh, as a lot of people know, my son was born two months too early and spent six weeks in the NICU. And he wasn't supposed to come home until the following week. And... My wife gives me a call while we're at the tailgate and says, I have some news for you. I'm like, okay. She said, well, just to make things a little bit better for the evening, when you get home from the game tonight, your son will be here. So that was also a bonus. So it was one of the best nights of my life. That's a heck of a bonus, man. <laughs> that's right? That's, that's a heck of a bonus. I'm not even sure that you even say to that. I'm just going to laugh awkwardly for a moment. Uh, <laughs> Rams Giants, nineteen eighty nine. I'll go with that one. Playoff game, divisional playoff, flipper answer the title. Oh yeah, that was a good one. That's also to me a little bit of a low hanging fruit. But here's one that many people don't remember, but I do. Rams and Buccaneers. The Rams are awful. The Buccaneers are awful. Nineteen ninety two. The Rams going to halftime down twenty seven to three and come back to win thirty to twenty seven. I don't know if you remember that one, but I do. Was it a Sunday night game? It was a Sunday night game. and I was, Oh, I my I was, goodness. I, I do. I, I, I was, was watching it in mm-hmm. the kitchen with my great-grandmother, who's the reason I am a Rams fan. So, yeah, I remember. I, was I remember 14, that because, man. yeah, we never 
were on TV. I grew up in Los Angeles. I've lived here my whole life. And the Rams, because of the stupid blackout rule, were were never on TV, right? They're right here in your backyard. And we I couldn't afford to go to games. I was just a kid, you know? And uh, we didn't have a lot of money. So we had to listen to the Rams on AM radio, even though they were in Anaheim, you know, because they moved to Anaheim when I was two. So I only knew the Anaheim Rams before they moved to St. Louis. And I never I never went to a game when I was a kid when they were here. Be- my first time I ever saw the Rams in person, they were the St. Louis Rams. That's sad. You know what I mean? It was just, and it's not because they were St. Louis. It was just sad because we, were, we didn't have the money, you know? And that's why when, you know, I got older and started working and making money, I always told myself if, if the Rams ever moved back to Los Angeles that I would be a season ticket holder and, and that's it. And it happened and that's where we are now. You know, I already have my tickets in Inglewood. Oh, we are. Yeah, I got my tickets in Inglewood. I don't know, maybe over a year ago now. So honest question. Uh, Did you sell a kidney to get those tickets? Dude, to be honest with you, they are not as much as people think. So we are in the, so the Rams Empire, we have 28 seats in Section 200. And they are $5,000 per chair for PSL, which is not that bad. I got three. One for me, my wife, and my son. My son is eight months old. He already has a PSL. <laughs> That's the opposite of how I grew up. And uh, no, the the seats. So my seats in the Coliseum are ninety bucks a seat, and they are about fifteen to twenty rows above the melon heads by the tunnel. And the seats in Inglewood, where we are, are a hundred and thirty-five dollars a game, or hundred twenty-five dollars a game. So they only went up thirty-five bucks from the Coliseum to Inglewood, so that's not bad. But $5,000 for a PSL, and you bought three of them. That's why I'm asking if you sold a kidney. Dude, it's 15 grand. ain't that much money. Really? That's a ton of money, man. I, <laughs> that was nah. like money. What'd you do? Did you save for years or what? No, I do okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Holy crap, Listen, man. I grew up with nothing, and I made sure that that wouldn't be the case as I got older, so... I'm doing all right. That is a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Well, congrats. Yeah, I know. Though, I know guys. I know guys that got PSLs that were fifty thousand dollars a chair. Okay, so five thousand ain't nothing. Well, listen. I'm not. Hey, I'm not shaming you for it. I'm happy for you. I'm <laughs> just saying that's a lot of money. That's a, that's that's a lot of money, and I wish I had the money to do something like that. Maybe one day I will. But wow. Okay, so checking out other people's favorite games. You mentioned Ramman earlier as well. Let's see here. Uh, Jack Mitchell, Starblade 125, said Rams Chiefs. Alex Washburn, the Wash Tub on Twitter, says Rams Colts at the Tavon Austin game a few years ago. That's where it was special teams galore. Uh, oh, Jonah. that was, yeah, that's a good one. That was a good, that's a really good choice. Yeah. Jonah, Super Bowl win has to be up there, so there's a Super, the Chiefs game. Um, I love the Super Bowl win, I have to be honest. But to me, it wasn't a crazy game. Like It was one of those typical down-to-the-wire games, but nothing really stood out except for the tackle to me. That's why I didn't name it as, as, as a crazy game. But uh, it's okay. I'm not judging you or saying you're wrong. It's just a different, different feel to it. The 99 championship game, that's, that's Robin that you're talking about. Blue, Blues Taylor Cup champs at, at Cardinals 1929 says Rams Sheep Monday Night Game. Darth Kool-Aid says what I said. Playoff game against the Giants in '89. The throw to Jim Everett, from Jim Everett to Flipper Anderson. See here, 
Ram Saints by Il Aerosmith. Aerosmith Bill, uh, 1989 Ram Saints were flippers set a record for 336 yards. Or the Rams come back against Tampa Bay. Hey, hey, somebody else remembered it. Moy the Rough Rider. The, the Rams beat the Titans in Super Bowl 34. Great, exciting game. Frankie at Frankie Juve. The 06 playoffs, he was a little bit off. 04 playoffs, we beat Seattle. Um, or the NFC title game against the Bucks, or this past year against the Saints, but I'm going to go with the Super Bowl. I mean, we won by one yard. And that's all of them. Those are all good choices. No, they are. They are. And I like the one that uh, they brought up about the Tavon Austin coming out party. That was a game where I think all of us thought, okay, that's what we paid for. And it was amazing. I believe he had four touchdowns that game. And he had them, I believe, one of them. How many were on special teams? One or two? Do you remember? I believe it was two. Yeah, and then he had two two receiving and maybe one rushing. I don't know. He was all over the place that game. And I thought for sure, okay, this is what we paid for. Here we go. And that was about it. That was two games that year. I thought for sure. I mean, I think the Rams killed the Colts that year. They blasted the Texas, too. I thought in both those games they were coming and they're going to be in trouble. This is, a, this is an L. And, no, they came out there and took those two teams. Okay, folks, it's getting to be about time for us to go. We have one more seven for you, and that is our visit with Matt Danley as part of the tour in the league. He runs the Colts Cast podcast with Stampede Blue. Before we get to him, we do want to ask you, hey, if you would like to sponsor us, check us out. Rams Talk 1945. Release a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. There are slots open for Rams Uncensored. There are slots open for Rams Talk Radio and Bunning Heads. Hey, Help us keep the lights on. I mean, you got to help Tommy pay for his PSLs. I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay. Also, we have a podcast out there for baseball, Talking Halos. That's actually doing pretty well. Check it out under our speaker page. And I've been working really hard. I'm really working Tommy on doing a Dodgers podcast, but I don't, I don't think he's biting just yet. Are you biting yet? I mean, you're wasting your time. I'm not a big baseball guy. So. Uh, I'm wearing a Dodgers shirt right now. I grew up in a household where... My great-grandmother, you know, Dodgers, Rams, Lakers, Kings, or get out. Um, that's the way I was raised. But um, I I just don't watch a lot of other sports anymore. There's only 24 hours in a day, and I just can't commit that much free time to sports in general. I just do, I do a lot of other things. Music, I'm still involved. I have a studio. I have a band that I produce and manage, and we're working on a lot of stuff. So... And I have a baby, so I can only pick. I gotta pick and choose my battles, right? I, I can't you. always be gone, or the wife's gonna beat me over the head with a stick. Well, before we head over to the interview, let people know where they can find the band you manage and all your projects. Well, that is all in the works still. We're literally starting from the ground up, but man, this is gonna be a good one. Um, the musicians that I have, the drummer, the bass player, the guitar player, are all. It's a. I would say. If I was to compare what we're doing to any band, it would be like similar to Tool, and the talent involved in the band is equal. Let's just put it that way. So this is something you just put together. Yeah, these are. Um, this is something I put together. Um, the guitar player I've known for twenty something years. The bass player we found um, through Craigslist. He's a young kid, twenty three years old from Sweden. He came here for the American Dream. He just graduated from a trade school in downtown LA to be an electrician. And he is 
probably as good as Les Claypool, the bass player of Primus, at 23 years old. This kid is a prodigy. And the drummer, actually, it's his studio. We moved into his. It's a giant two-story studio. He works in the movie industry. This guy is a shredder, and everything's just falling into place. So once it gets going, we get a name. We get. We just need a singer now, so that's a, that's the next move. So that's where we're going. I don't really play music that much anymore on that tip i play at home still but managing and producing doesn't take up too much of my free time and i still like to be involved well good luck to you in the project make sure you let us know so we can help you know put it out there for you in the meantime we do want to get out to the matt danley check it out matt danley from colts cast here we go okay folks i am here with matt danley from the colts cast podcast Goes on last year, had a really great interview with him for the tour in the league, have, have him back this year, and it's a bit of a different feeling around the Indianapolis Colts. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. This is uh, an exciting year to, you know, this is kind of the year. This is uh, this is either the year that you're going to see them take another step, or you're going to probably see, you know, just in general, you have to be realistic about it. You could see them level a little bit, and then, you know, um, they just seem to be at the middle point in this rebuild and uh, with the potential to, to even be better than that. So it's an exciting time for Colts fans, to be quite honest with you. You look at everything that they've done over the course of just the past couple of years with Chris Ballard, uh, Frank Reich leading the charge there, and they've got everybody buying in. So, I mean, this is a, it's an exciting time for fans, for the city, and uh, just to know that you've got a GM and a, and a head coach that are in lockstep with each other and that really, uh, you know, kind of are, are fighting for each other, and which is something that, you know, Colts fans haven't seen in a while. I mean, if I'm honest, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. I thought the Colts were probably still a year away before right. making that move. Then they start 1-4 and catch fire. So what mm-hmm. changed with the Colts that made them into a playoff contender? And now, how do you evaluate that 2018 season as a whole? Uh, the, I mean, to evaluate it as a whole, you have. I mean, look, we we all know that they were they overachieved. I mean, that that much, in my opinion, is is obvious, right? I don't know that anybody's really going to say that that's how they pegged the Colts to be. Most people, uh, and I think that most of us at the site at Stampede Blue had them. Uh, pegged it, you know, eight, nine wins max, you know, and they, you know, they did that and more. And and then you see kind of how they brought everything together. Uh, it, it's, it's exciting. And, and I agree with you. you, you get, and that's kind of what I was saying at the top here. You, you, you see that they overachieved last year. They've got more pieces, more speed, uh, more access. They've got uh, something to build on with that offensive line. They've got the speed now from the defense that they're wanting. They've got some fresh bodies in there with this draft. Uh, it, it just how it come in. I don't even know. You, you, this is last year. The only thing I could say is I don't know how good they're going to be, but they're going to be a blast to watch. This year, I think they're going to be like legitimately good. And be a, an even more fun team to watch. The problem is, is that everybody else, you know, gets better as well. You know, it's it's not based on them getting better and everybody else staying the same. Everybody's trying to get better at the same time. So you really kind of keep your eyes on that and see what the rest of the AFC is doing. But in general, I think you have to be so excited right now for what the Colts are doing, even if you're a casual fan, because you want. I think 
I think a lot of fans outside of probably the AFC South, but I think a lot of fans who always wanted to see Andrew Luck really kind of boom, I think they're going to see you know that this year too, especially after a, a phenomenal year coming back off his injury like he had last year. Well, that's where I'm even go next, and I'm glad you mentioned him. What was the key about Andrew Luck's recovery? Because, geez, months before that, we're hearing national media reporting he might never play again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all of a sudden he comes back and he's a, he performs at a level we haven't seen from him before. And I think it's specul. When you get into the speculation of it, I guess everybody just kind of goes off of their own opinion. And, and as much as and as open as Ballard and them were about his recovery, we, we didn't really know. I mean, the media didn't really know a whole lot. But there, the those like just insane like he's never going to play again he may not he can't throw all this and that especially into the first couple weeks of the season last year that was just all bs i mean it was like where are they getting that because that's not anything close to what's actually happening on the field we saw it in training camp he let go of plenty 60 yard throws uh that was just not part of the offense at first that was it was just that simple and to have everybody getting all crazy and freak out that they didn't throw the ball downfield the first couple of weeks of the season last year just seemed to be okay. So now I, I think that a lot of people who were there and actually in training camp and saw what he was doing in the preseason in terms of in practice and stuff like that, I think a lot of us, if you didn't already know about national media being just ridiculous, that kind of led us to it. It led me to it, anyways. I, I I almost don't even pay attention to any of them anymore, just because I can. I saw how they turned that story into something that they tried to create. It wasn't something that was actually going on on the field. Well, if I'm honest, I think I stopped paying attention to national media back when the Rams were moving to L.A. because <laughs> well, there were so many reports. That I won't say that person's name, but he used to write for Yahoo Sports and now writes for Bleacher Report who kept saying the Rams aren't going to move and aren't going to do this, and then he finally turns and changes his mind, and then does it happens again. And after a while, you realize that they don't know. They right. really don't know. A lot of it, they kick off a hearsay. The really good ones do know. The, and I, I, need, I don't want anybody thinking I'm taking a complete and total shot at the national sports media, but I think we've seen it politically as well. There are some good ones, and there's some bad ones. And there yeah. are a lot of bad ones in sports media. Yeah, the ones that really piss me off, to be perfectly honest with you, are the ones that go to practice, don't watch it, and then act like they've got takeaways from it. That that, yeah. really, that burnt me. That burnt my butt a couple times watching uh, a couple guys. And like you said, I'll kind of keep their names to myself, but a couple guys who plan to watch hours and hours of tape, they can't even watch an hour and a half of practice. Give me a break. I, I don't trust them. And you, you can't. Yeah, and in a lot of ways... I, this is not to pat ourselves on the back or anything, but I think in a lot of cases what happens is some of these podcasts out there actually know more about their team oh, for and sure. analyze more than the actual beat writers and beat people who actually cover the team. And it's sad. It shouldn't be that way. It should never be that way. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to meet some really good beat writers, guys that really take pride in what they're doing and watching it. Um, but it, it really does. It's it's not. It doesn't seem the guys to be it, to me. At least my experience doesn't seem that it's the local guys that that bluster as much as they can. It seems to be the guys that come in. You know, for that they're for a trip. They're doing their little uh, move around the AFC or their move around the you know the Midwest or whatever they're doing for said 
you know, production, but uh, just trash. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even read their stuff after I saw some of them. The what they were doing uh, anymore at all. Absolutely agree. And I and I've stopped reading a lot of it now. I focus yeah. more on on it's the local stuff. You yeah. really want it, you really want other perspective too, and that's yeah. the thing. People people feel like they're getting other perspective. They're not. They're just getting a load of crap. And that's the problem is that people buy into what they say and they read and what they hear from these guys. And, you know, they, they may have all the sources in the world, but, I mean, my eyes and your eyes uh, are watching the field and they're sitting there staring at the floor half the time. That this, I don't know how they could possibly be catching anything other than post-practice interviews. So, I mean, that's what they're taking their, their uh, cues off of. I don't know. But anyways, it... it I, I think there's a lot to be said for the guys who really put in the work to cover these teams. Like you said, if I if I want to know something, I'm going to go probably to somebody that maybe not even a lot of people know, or that isn't quite as uh, you know popular, so to speak, among uh, most people. I want to talk to the guys that that get in there that uh, have been in practice for four and five, six, ten and uh, years that are really taken. Um, you know, really taking the work to it. They're there for a reason because they're paying attention, and that's that's who I'm going to listen to at least when I gauge uh, what I'm what they're seeing at practice. And that's how it really needs to be. And you, we, this it is a profession for a reason. You call it a profession. You want to be a professional. You only can be professional is by actually doing the work to go with it. Now, speaking of the work, okay, <laughs> the Colts had some work to do. Mm, there lots. were some weaknesses, okay. Yep. You're right. They overachieved. What were some of the weaknesses on the roster entering the offseason? And what did they do in free agency to close the gaps in those weaknesses? Well, I think looking at, at weakness, I mean, you're looking at overall team speed, which isn't really nailed down to one, uh, one position because it, it actually lies on both sides of the ball for that matter. They needed more speed on offense with wide receivers. They got some of that, not necessarily – uh, through free agency, but they did get it with uh, you know it through the draft, um, and, and I think that you look at the the defensive moves that they got. Obviously, they they addressed pass rush, you know, and then then they addressed some of the team speed. Obviously, you get the pass rush. It's not the youth you're looking for in Justin Houston, but it is the experience and it is the fact that this guy could bust out ten, twelve, fifteen sacks. Uh, even at his current age, if given the opportunity. The Colts roster is a lot deeper, I think, than people give it credit for. Um, They've got some really interesting pieces up front. Uh, They've gotten rid of some of their bulk. You know, Hassan Ridgeway was traded away through the draft. Uh, Grover Stewart remains as kind of the big boy in the middle. He's the only guy really over 300 pounds uh, along that defensive front. I mean, the closest thing outside of that is Marcus Hunt, who's six fourteen. You know, he's a massive dude. Um, and I mean, the offensive line was in pretty good shape coming into everything. They didn't do a lot with uh, free agency, but what they did do is they did re-sign. They did extend some guys that that earned it last year. Uh, they did, you know, obviously they, they did what they needed to do with Pierre Desir at the cornerback position. They did what they needed to do with uh, Marcus Hunt. They did what they needed to do with a couple other guys. And I think that that's really important. Um, plus, you've got guys like Tyquan Lewis who are still here from last year who's going to make some big strides, in my opinion. Um, you, you've got a lot of depth now at that linebacking position. You've got guys who are actually perfect for this defense now 
Um, and, and like I said, there wasn't a lot through free agency that the Colts did. They grabbed uh, Spencer Ware, uh, another piece in the backfield, re-signed Clayton Gathers, you know, uh, added Derek Kindred, just some little names, in my opinion, here and there to kind of overall improve the, the team's defense. So I like what they did. I, I love the fact that they went out and got themselves uh, Devin Funches. I think that he's an important addition to this team because uh, when we talk about weaknesses, let's talk about kind of the way that Frank Reich's offense is meant to be, okay? Uh, a lot of people will go back to the Philly days or, or just whatever with certain players here and there and kind of look at what they like to do. Uh, he adds, Funches adds not only a, a, a bit of assistance inside the red zone, but he really gives them a possession-type receiver to move across the middle, to get those passes, to be able to have that that wingspan, that catch radius, that's so important mm-hmm. in in those in those pieces. And you're 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 not looking for Devin Funches to go, you know, lead the league in yak. You're looking for him to catch passes, try to do something after the catch, if at all possible, but be that big body who can secure those across the middle. Because what have they had in the past? I mean, they've had some some guys that are fairly good size. But, I mean, you're looking at, like, what, Chester Rogers. You're looking at, you know, a couple other guys. Some of their big guys on this team didn't even make the team, you know, this past year or were injured. You know, Zach Pascal, 6'2", he was kind of that guy, but he just wasn't really polished yet by any means. Uh, Marcus Johnson is a, is a pretty good-sized guy. But Steve Ishmael, Krishan Hogan, some of these other bigger guys uh, on the roster, uh, even Darius Fountain, for that matter, they're not built like Funchess is. You know what I mean? Funchess yeah. is built for that role. Um, and I think that when you add that with their tight end packages that they're going to have this year, they're going to have a really good tight end room this year. It's going to be kind of insane, to be quite honest with you, because you like what Ross Travis brings. You you know what Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron uh, bring to the team. Mo Ali Cox kind of, I wouldn't say broke out last year, but you can see that he has the ability to break out. So there's a lot of fun with that, adding into the wide receivers, uh, adding into the backfield, the offensive line is kind of polished up right now. There, this is this is exactly where the Colts want to be right now. I think they want to be another draft and free agency from being a legit, not playoff contender, but Super Bowl contender. And then you get to that point where these guy, where Chris Ballard sees maybe we're a guy or two away on this or that side of the ball. And now we're going to really make a push in free agency. The Colts are going to have a crap ton of money next year, too. So this is this is the two-year span, in my opinion, where you kind of go for broke. You you see what you got. You, you remain patient. But you also understand that if there's a couple spots here where you can get some of that youth, you throw the, you throw the checkbook at a couple guys, and maybe you, maybe you really take another stride the following season. So how do you rate the Colts draft overall? We, we've seen a lot. We've heard a lot of good things in terms of ratings for it, a lot of great feedback about it. How do you rate it yourself? I, I mean, it, it giving a grade so weird, but I mean, you, you just, in, in your own mind, I think you look at the, kind of uh, the range from an A- minus to a B plus. Anywhere in there is fine with me, or even a B for that matter, because you don't know what these guys are right now. But you got a really athletic long corner in Rocky Sin, you know, in the second round of all places. Uh, I didn't see Ben Benagu as a edge, uh, a real edge guy, but I like the fact that Chris Ballard spoke about how much he loved his speed, and they're going to work him at Sam uh, to start out, as opposed to 
coming off the edge as a pure defensive end right now. And I think that's a wise decision uh, because he does have the team. He does have the speed. He does have the ability to be a pass rusher, but he's not polished yet. And whatever they want to do with him in the next couple years is one thing. But I like the I like that they're able to find not just guys, but find guys who can be multiple and in multiple positions and succeed and help the team succeed. Uh, Paris Campbell, like I said, you love his speed, you love his length, you love the things that he can do after the catch. Um, Okariki is a really underrated guy been, and, and has been getting you know quite a bit of uh, acclaim coming out of rookie camp. They they really like what he brings. They think that he and Darius Leonard could be you know the the twosome that that the AFC fears for the year next years to come. So he's going to be one to really watch. I think that you like everything you've seen so far with those guys. Then you get into Willis, um, EJ Speed, something that no, we just don't know anything about him. Um, but you look at other things in there, um, Jerry Green, who's an actual pure edge, you know, different things like that that they brought in with this draft class. You have to love what they did. Now, you don't see the big names. You don't see the Josh Allen in here, obviously, and it's not just because of where the Colts picked. But you look, look at the collective of the of the guys who they brought in, and you see that this is a this is a not just a building block draft, but this is a draft where you've made a lot of positions better. You've improved the overall status of the roster in terms of talent, and you really, like I said, you've gotten the depth kind of figured out now in a lot of different places to where you may be a guy or two in the next year or so from really becoming, you know, watch out for the Colts because they're real this year. You know what I mean? That kind of yeah. feeling, uh, not just locally, but nationally. On paper, mm-hmm. where are the Colts now entering 2019 for the AFC South? And how many wins do you expect from them next year? I think you're, I think we're in that same spot. The, the division is so talented in a well let me let me rephrase that the the division is is so um competitive okay rather than talented there's a lot of talent in there uh whether each team gets through you know the 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 bumps in the road is kind of weird because afc south sometimes you'll see teams just crumble that are far more talented than what they show um and the colts have done that themselves so i mean it's not just the other teams that i'm talking about uh, I think that you're looking in that same range. Uh, I think they could win eight games. I think they could be a 500 team, but I also think they could win 11. You know, maybe uh, Andrew Luck starts going on. You can you could get to 12 wins. It's it's a it's a hard team, and it's a hard division, in my opinion, to really just place uh, a, an arbitrary number, so to speak, on wins because there are so many things at play with this. The the division did get better. There's a new quarterback in Jacksonville. You you know they think that they've gotten Mariota some more weapons now. Their defense was already tough. The defense was tough in in Jack or in Houston, and you know do they get another you know do they get their offensive line squared away you know because if they do then they've got an offense you know if they don't then they've got real troubles for the future. So it's really hard to say uh, right now, but I think that they are in that range anywhere from eight to twelve wins. That's that seems like a that's a massive window. I get that. That's a terrible answer, but I I I just really don't know yet. Uh, I want to see what they do in training camp. I want to see how um, how much of a continuation they've brought this year 
in terms of really buying into the culture and everything else. And if they bought in, you, this is going to be a really hard team to beat for anybody. And I don't just mean the AFC South. This is going to be a hard team for everybody. They're going to be a team that scratches and claws and, and really busts out uh, in front of a lot of teams and surprises a lot of teams, even though they're they're getting some acclaim right now for uh, you know for for making themselves significantly better over the past year. All right, Matt, can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, check me out on Twitter at mdanelysb. Um, you can listen to the Colts cast. Uh, it is a Stampede Blue Colts cast. You can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, any, anywhere you get those. Our, uh, our main hub is through the megaphone. Um, but, yeah, you can check it out. We do a few Colts casts every week. And uh, if you guys are interested, look me up and uh, listen to the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for taking the time again. It's always good getting some real great co- football conversation with you, and hopefully we're talking again. Maybe you never know. You never know. Maybe even a Super Bowl. Hey, hey, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. And sorry, I feel like I gave so many general answers tonight because it's just that uh, this is just a fun, fun year for the Colts to, you know, kind of make that leap, see where they're at on that mountain. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's all cliche, I guess, but it, it just seems like it, they're they're so close, but they can still be a year or two away. Well, I, I don't. I don't want to take him as a general answer. I, I take him as an. You know, you will, you probably there's a really good chance the AFC South is the toughest division in football next year. Mm-hmm. And when you have that level of competition, you don't know how the chips are going to fall. You'll know where the injuries are going to be. You don't know how the draft picks are going to be. It's a lot easier, say, to look at the NFC East right now, where you really only have two contenders mm-hmm. to kind of space things out. Or even the AFC East, where it's really just the Patriots and everybody else. It's really easy to say, okay, well, this is how it's going to lay out. You try and put out all four of these teams can flip around. Even the, even the Jaguars. There's still pieces in, in Jacksonville to make a quick recovery. So it's really hard to say where anybody's going to land that division. Right. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a blast. It really, I think the AFC is, and, and the AFC South more particularly is going to be a lot of fun for people to watch next year. Just good football. Overall, good football. Deshaun Watson, I hope he's at, at tip-top. I hope Mariota's at tip-top. And I hope Foles comes back and actually plays well because if they do and the Colts are successful, that tells you that the Colts are further along than people even would guess. I think they are pretty far along. They they, <laughs> uh, they sure their chops late in the year especially. I think All so. Right. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Derek. All right, folks, it is time for us to hit the road. Another episode is in the books. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can also find me, Derek C. Paul, at DC Paul on Twitter and Tommy at RamTommy in LA. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places where they're in iBeatRadio.com plays our shows on Wednesdays and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, Tommy, any closing thoughts for us? Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to uh, uh, Rob Lake-A-Ram-Man on Twitter. Um, he was chiming in and answering some of our questions. But I want to say he did one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and it's it would be a bucket list for me, and he pulled it off last year. He went to every single game on the road, at home, playoffs, all the way to the Super Bowl, took his son with him. I want to give a big shout-out to him. That was a really cool thing, and hopefully I can do that one day with my son. So shout-out to Rob. Definitely awesome, and that's the one thing we've kept talking about over the years now here is when you are a Rams fan, it really is rambling. It was as corny as it sounds. I, I thought it was corny at first. It really is a rambling. 
Okay, so for Tom and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. We'll talk to you Sunday night. We're out of here. City, home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action! Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh my goodness! Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.